So, as I started off in preparation for this message, Greg, Greg gave me a good amount of notice for this opportunity to come before you. And at that time, I wasn't broken and I wasn't surrendered. See, when you guys see me, for most of you that know me, I seem like I have, I've got it all together. And most of the time, in God's grace, I do. This has been the hardest weekend of my life. I haven't slept. I haven't eaten. And I've struggled over what I would come before you with. And I saw wise counsel. And knowing that God has a word for each and every one of us today, God made it clear that I'm going to stand here and give it. And in God's grace, each and every one of us will leave this room changed. So I'm going to deliver the message that God gave me to deliver. And then I'm going to give you the rest that he gave me over this fasting and praying that I've been going through this weekend. So right now, know that I'm a humble servant and that I am here only to be God's voice. And I pray right now that it not be me that you hear, that it be only God. And let your Holy Spirit, God, rain down right now. Give us grace, give us peace. Give us victory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bear with me. Are there any dreamers here today? Praise God, we've got dreamers. When you were young, some of you dreamed about what job you would have, what your career would look like. Ladies, you dreamed what your wedding day would look like. Some of you are still longing for that day. <laughs> and, and being that I'm a DJ now, I get, to, I get to see that on a pretty regular basis. It's an awesome thing. You probably still have dreams and aspirations, don't you dreamers? You long for that next step. Hopes and dreams breed desire. And desire breeds action. And guess what? James has been telling us over the last eight weeks that action is what the Christian faith is all about. Action. We're not just supposed to be mere listeners of the word and hearers of the word, but who are we supposed to be? Doers. James has been pouring it out through the word to us. God has been using his spirit to just do miraculous things in people over the last eight weeks that I didn't think were possible. But as I said, I wasn't broken. So it took a massive thing to happen. And I'm dealing with it. And it's not easy. But my God is sovereign. My God is bigger than anything that I could ever face. Every trial, every tribulation, everything, every temptation, my God is big enough to overcome it. We talked this morning in our group 
No temptation has, has seized you. None. That isn't common to man. We've all faced it all. Jesus faced it. But he's big enough to overcome it in us. Every pain, every heartache, he can heal. If you want to live this uncommon faith that we've been learning about, that hopefully we've been practicing, you've got to be a man or a woman of action. You have to be a young person of action. But today, in this passage, James is going to teach us that there is a way that may seem right for us, but it may be far different from what God has planned. I have my Bible here, but it's, it's, I'm going to get Bible fun because I used to do this with my, my men's group. This is the NIV. It's the 1984 edition of the NIV. It gives a bad rendering of one of the verses. The 2011 version, which I really don't like, gives the proper one. So I'm going to read from that one. So I'm in James chapter 4, if you would please turn there. And I just got a, I just got a notification that somebody posted in, in a, in a, on a page on Facebook about my friend that, that died five years ago. <laughs> wow. Thanks, God. I see where you're putting me. James says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. At first glance... It appears that James is just addressing some guys that want to go out on business. Doesn't seem that bad, right? If you were in here for the video, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and it might be a little offensive, and, and quite frankly, the Spirit of God said so, so here it comes. There's a lot of people in this room right now. There are a lot of people in here. At 9 o'clock, when we ran the video that everybody's supposed to be a part of, this room was a quarter of the way full. Now, if you are part of a small group that doesn't meet on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, by all means, you don't need to be here for that video. But if you meet at 9 o'clock, you have no excuse. You're undermining the authority of the church. You're undermining our pastor and every staff member. And I'm calling you on it right now. If you're in the youth group, you guys are watching it in the back. You are with excuse because you're being a part of what you're supposed to be a part of. But we've been called to come together as a family at 9 o'clock. Watch a short video together and then convene in our group so that we can have discussion and we can grow through the Word of God. I'm calling you on your sin right now. If I were doing the same thing, I would expect the same thing. We're supposed to be in here together. We're called to be in here together. You can't, if you can't give that 10 minutes, you need, a, you need a heart check right now. You need a heart check right now. I don't want to sound like a bad guy, but the truth is the truth, and I'm going to stand on it. Anybody, anybody got a problem with that? Are we going to stand on truth? By all means. So these guys that he's addressing, they had this big plan, Right? I'm going to go here to this city. I'm going to go here for a year. I'm going to go do my thing. And I'm going to tell you all about it. I'm going to go make all this money. It's going to be great. Raise your hand if you're self-employed. Anybody here self-employed? Got a couple of them. Got a couple of them. All right. You have to take business trips. 
You have to go out and, and meet new clients, things of that nature, being self-employed. Do you find yourself searching for ways to, to make your business grow, to thrive, to achieve success? Do you look for ways to cut costs, raise revenue? Of course you do. If you're a business owner, why wouldn't you, right? How are you ever going to succeed? Because if you don't, you're probably not going to be self-employed very long. Just so you know, a couple of you that raise your hand. In the first century, business travel was very common for Jewish people. They would go everywhere. They were on a trade route. That's what they did. There was no Walmart or Target on the corner that they could go to and pick up the stuff they need. So people would, would make the things that they need. Like, for instance, you find tent makers, Priscilla and Aquila. They go and they, they make their tents and then they sell them. Uh, if, you had, if you sold fine linens like Lydia did, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, you find that she had to sell them to people. She had to make them and she had to distribute them. So it was kind of cool. It was like you were your own Amazon.com back then. You manufactured, sold, and even distributed like the Pony Express. There's a couple guys in here who, who will think that's funny, I think. <laughs> I, see, I see two of them. There's, there's two of my coworkers here that, that know that I'm a mailman, so they get the picture. So it was a very slow process to get it done. Yeah, we're a little faster, though. We like to be efficient. But if you're going to be successful in the first century, you had to be a meticulous planner, and you had to be a strong finisher. If a person was successful in his business endeavors, he then had no problem telling everybody else about it. See, James, in the, latter, or the earlier part of the chapter 4, he, he was telling us about quarreling and fighting among us and where it comes from and why it happens. So it was prevalent. Well, so was bragging. People really like to talk about themselves. I don't know if you guys have noticed that about certain people, but they like to talk about themselves. I, I mean, I'll toot my own horn every once in a while. I'm not going to lie. Like I said, I'm a humble servant. <laughs> but they did that a lot. It was a big issue. And James makes it clear that it's a very serious issue in the church. James says, now listen. Or in some translations, it says, come now. Now, kids and everybody who was once a kid, how many times did you hear your mother say, listen here, or now listen, to get your attention? Anybody heard that? Man, I hated that. I did not want to hear that at all. Man, I knew I was in trouble. Take the trash out. I told you an hour ago. It was awful. You knew that she meant business. There was no messing around at that point. And James means business. He's addressing this church and he's like, look, you guys are missing the mark. It's time to get serious. So he reveals this statement of boasting. If you got a, by the way, if you've got your, uh, your bulletin inside there, there's a connection card. If you're a guest with us, fill it out with as much information as possible. Ha, ha, ha. See how I plugged that right in, Brenda? Give it to me. And as you leave, if you're a guest for the first time, there are a gift for you at the exit doors. Make sure you take one out of the basket. And so, ha, plugged it. Give it to me, Brenda. Brenda does this so much better than I do when it comes to announcements. All right. I'm sorry. I love doing that. All right. So they were bragging about what they were going to do in the future. They speak as if they actually know what's going to happen a year from now. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't even know what's going to happen an hour from now. I mean, you might be eating food. But aside from that, how do we know? We don't. We don't have a clue. And just like Francis Chan told us in the video, that is arrogant. It is so arrogant. And when I was joking about the, the translations, it doesn't actually use the word arrogant in the 1984 edition of the NIV. And if you, if you look at it, the Greek says that it's definitely arrogance that it's referring to. So that's why I did that. Uh, See, they, they constructed this well-put-together plan. 
The first thing they figured out is, when am I going to go? So they, they, it says right in the text, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we're going. So they had a plan. They knew when they were going to go. They knew how long they would stay there. We're going to stay there for a year. And they knew exactly what they were going to do. They were going to make money. So they were going to reach all their goals. But the problem is, is that they're doing it apart from God. Do you see anywhere in the text where it asks if it shows that they prayed? They asked God, where do you want me to go? No, you don't see that in the text, do you? No, James says they say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city and we will do this and we will make money. So they left God out. Now remember that James is writing to Jewish converts to Christianity, the ones who had been dispersed due to the ongoing persecution. These people would understand what it means to be dependent on God, don't you think? They're being persecuted. They're being ran away from their homes. You would think that would be the first thing that would come to mind. God, help us. But no, they forget about God when it comes to their own plans. In verse 14, we see an indictment from James on these businessmen. He gives a sentence on boasting. He says that they don't even know what will happen tomorrow, which tells us that it is impossible for us to see the future. We have no idea what the future holds, people. None. Apart from revelation from the Holy Spirit giving us a prophecy about something that may take place, we don't have a clue, right? No chance. And he goes on to say, human life is extremely short in comparison to eternity. He compares the lives of these men to a mist that vanishes and it's gone in an instant. So I, we talked about this in our group. For some of us that, you know, you start your car when it's cold out, what do you see come out of the back of it? Smoke, right? But after a little while of driving, what happens? That smoke's gone. That's us. We're just like that smoke. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. We have no way of knowing when. We have no way of knowing how. It is what it is. I like to think about the story about King Hezekiah. He was prideful. God was going to put him to death. And King Hezekiah prayed. And he says, God, I don't want to die. You know, give me more time. God says, I'll give you one year. One year. So he prayed and God gives him another year to live. You imagine what the 11th month was like for King Hezekiah? He's like, oh, man. I know it's a year, but is it like 364? days or is it a, is it American calendar 365 he's like I don't know I'm worried I'm gonna die soon but he didn't know right God told him you got a year but he didn't know when that year was up we don't know we have no idea so how are we who are we to say I'm gonna go and do this or that in a year we can't know when our hour will come and death is inevitable. And no one can predict when it will happen. The last time I checked, one in one person die. It's 100% death rate. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I am. But just like the mist, we're alive for that short time and then we're no more. James is indicting these men and all of us for disregarding the sovereignty of God. You see, we forget that God is in complete control of everything. Matt saying that this morning. God is in control. You are in control. You couldn't, have, you couldn't have picked better words. I think maybe the Holy Spirit had something to do with that. But it's so true. He's in complete control. He knows everything. He numbers our days. He knows how many hairs are on our head. He knows how much sand is on the seashore. He knows it all. He opens doors in our lives. He closes doors in our lives that need to be open and shut. 
He guides and directs us in everything we deal with. In our heartaches, in our triumphs, in the valleys, and on the mountaintops. And he walks with us through the whole thing. James is telling each one of us to remember God. Remember the God who loves us and saves us and makes us whole again. Heals us from all our iniquity, all of our pain and all of our sorrow. And he embraces our joy and he loves our passion and he uses it. We didn't choose to follow Jesus to navigate this life by ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. We didn't. We did not choose to follow Jesus to do it on our own. Because if that's the case, let's all go home. What's the point? If you don't recognize and trust the sovereignty of God right now, as I said before, you should really stop. Really stop and do some serious heart soul searching because God is sovereign he is holy and he is over each one of us and he loves each one of us like you can never imagine he is so passionate about us he yearns for us and these people took it for granted and how many times have I taken it for granted in my life that the God of the universe took little old me, covered me by the blood of Christ, moved into my heart, took up residence, made me a new person, a whole new creation. And I take it for granted. And I just let it sit. And I don't make an effort with it. I don't think anybody, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but I know every person in here has been there at some point, and if you haven't yet, get ready, because the Spirit is going to grab you right now. I'm not going to leave this place unchanged. I'll say it again. We're not going to leave this place unchanged. To make life decisions without God is very arrogant. And it is sin. And that's what it's being called here. But however, we've learned over these previous eight weeks that when James chastens us and he corrects us, what does he always offer? He always offers a solution, an action step. So he gives us a solution for our boasting. In verses 15 to 17, James gives us the solution. We ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Everything that a follower of Christ sets out to do must be looked at through a magnifying glass of God's glory and his will. Now, I don't mean... I said this to the guys, and I'm going to say it too, just because I like it. It doesn't mean you have to ask God what kind of underwear you're going to wear that, that day, okay? Unless you want to. If, th if that's your thing, go ahead. If that helps you with your intimacy with God, which is what we talked about last week, by all means. But never make a decision. Never make a decision that's going to be life-changing, that's going to affect other people, that's going to affect your walk with God, that's going to take a massive amount of time, never make any of those decisions apart from God. Because guess what? If you do, they might succeed in your eyes. I'll say that again. If they succeed, they, that may be in your eyes. But anything apart from God is what? It's sin. So we talked about how God causes, the, causes it to rain on the just and the unjust alike. Everything might be going well with your little endeavor that you've got going on that didn't have God in it. 
And it may look good in a worldly view. But how are we as believers, followers of Christ, how are we to look at things? Are we supposed to look at it through the world's view? Absolutely not. We're supposed to look at it through this view, through the Word of God. That being said, how, if you didn't involve God in your decision-making process, how are you looking at it through His eyes? You're not. You're not. He always has our best interest in mind, people. Always. God is always looking for the best for us. So what should I ask him about? Anything I think is necessary. Anything. Doesn't matter what it is. Even the underwear. Whatever you think you need to talk to God about, you better get down on your knees and do it. Because apart from him, it's sin. So the solution for boasting is threefold. First, we must submit to God's authority. He's the God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He made man from dust, and he breathed the breath of life into that man, and in turn did the same for us. And when we chose to follow Jesus, he breathed that breath, the Holy Spirit, into us made us alive again. We have to trust him with everything, every aspect of our lives. We choose to follow Jesus. You don't just ask Jesus into your heart. I know that sounds real nice, but that's not in the Bible. Did you hear me? That's not in the Bible. I don't ask Jesus into my heart. He takes up dwelling in my heart because I surrender. I submitted to his lordship. When you, get, when, you choose, when you choose to follow Jesus, you are choosing to give your whole life, everything, to Jesus Christ. Does everybody understand that? You don't just say, um, God, you can have me on Sunday. Wednesday, maybe, if we have a prayer meeting. No. Every day, every hour for the rest of your life belongs to Jesus. And people say, I don't want that. That's too overwhelming. I can't do it. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right? How many people are saved? How many people know that you absolutely know that you're going to heaven the day you die? How many absolutely without a shadow of a doubt know that Jesus Christ has stepped into your life, saved you, made you a new creation? If you know that, you know what I'm talking about. It is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I love parameters in my life. They stop me from being foolish. I love knowing how far to the ledge I can go. Because Greg likes to say what, Brittany? What's he usually put up? God gives us what? Guardrails, that's right. You know, I know I can go to this, into this wood, and if I go any further, I'm gone, right? That's my guardrail. God gives me guardrails. It's worth it. I love that Jesus is in control. Doesn't make it easy. I like stuff, right? I grew up in, not in a Christian home. I grew up a freaking heathen, as best I can say it. I did. I didn't get saved until I was 19 years old, or 20. I'm sorry, I was married, and then I got saved when I was 20. I missed 20 years that I could have been with Jesus. What a mess. I like to tell people B.C. Phil was horrible. I'm telling you, B.C. Phil was a mess. But God came in and I submitted to his authority and he's made a difference in my life. Now granted, how often do I not submit to that authority? I'm still a sinner, saved by grace in a sinful body, but I have to make choices on God's authority. The next thing, you need to seek God's wisdom. Greg's been pouring it into us over the last eight weeks. Godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. Over and over and over. It's been the best thing ever. I wish I would have put it on the board, man. You got to see when Greg teaches, he's got all this scribble scrabble all over the board. But as you're watching him do it, you're like, I get it. Right, right guys? It's awesome. 
It doesn't even make sense to anybody else that would see it. But to us, we're like, we were there. We saw that. And we see God's wisdom. You need to seek God because guess what? Worldly wisdom is horrible. It's the worst. Can't stand it. Doesn't do any good for us. It's useless. Got to seek the mind of Christ. Finally, you got to surrender to God's will. God tells you to do something, you better get your booty in gear and do it. Doesn't matter what it is. Okay? Last week we learned that we have relinquished control to God when we gave our life to Him. We put our lives in His hands. So if you think you need to switch jobs, you better seek God. If you think you're in the wrong position, you better seek God. If you feel like your parenting skills are lacking, you better seek God. I got to tell you, I got, I got four of them. And they're all right over there, all four of them. Even my daughter. Amen. Amen. So glad to see her today. Um, so, they'll tell you, Phil has not been the best dad. And I'm, I'm guilty. I am. I'm guilty before God. But I'm saved by grace. He's making me new every day. I'm trying to be the father they need me to be. I'm trying to be who he's called me to be. If you feel like your marriage is in trouble, you better seek God. You better get on your knees. You better, you better reach out to him like never before because guess what? I'm broken today. I am broken today. Life is a mess right now. Couldn't even work yesterday. My old boss is sitting there watching me. He knows I don't call off for not a good reason. Haven't eaten in two days. Haven't slept in two days. Can't work. Things are a mess. But my God is my God in chaos. He makes our chaos what? Makes it all better. He turns our chaos into hope into restoration. He restores everything that he wants restored. But we have to be willing to take that restoration. We have to be willing to take the penalty. We have to be able to take the... There are consequences for every decision we make. When we make the godly decision, there are no consequences. There's just blessing. When we make the worldly decision, there's always consequences. You may never see it. You may never see that ripple effect of the consequences that your sin has caused. But it's there. And it happens. People are always affected. Real quick. I had set in my mind that for my 20th anniversary, my wife and I were going to go to Hawaii next year. Big plans. I thought, ah, financially, we're going to be able to do it. It's going to work out. Great. And turns out, I got a real serious plumbing issue outside of my house. There's a, there's a backup of some sort. I'm still working through it, whether or not I'm going to have to pay somebody to come out and fix it. But guess what? It cost me thousands. My wife said, we can't go to Hawaii. I'm like, what? thought you were all in on this. Can't go to Hawaii. But it's not just that. There's a lot more to not going to Hawaii. But I was, I was hurt by not going to Hawaii. But God showed me something three days ago. Or four days ago. Before I, even, before I even got to my brokenness. He showed me that Hawaii was my decision. It wasn't God's. God didn't tell me I could go to Hawaii. He didn't tell me to go to Hawaii. He didn't say anything about going to Hawaii. Did I seek him? No. And it's not a point of heartache. I don't really care about Hawaii, whatever. You know what I mean? But it was just the idea that God showed it to me. Like he was trying to just be in control of what belongs to him anyway. And I had to learn that lesson, and it was rough. 
This brings me to the end of this part. We can do a lot of things. We can do them on our own, or we can do them with God. If we do them on our own, we're arrogant. Verse 17 says, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, for him it is sin. See, there's two types of sin. There's a sin of commission, where you know what you're not supposed to do, and you do it anyway. Okay? That's a sin of commission. You, you do that knowing it's not what you should do. Then there's a sin of omission. The one that says, God says, do this, and you choose not to. If God tells you to do something, if his word is clear, if by revelation from the Holy Spirit says you need to go and do this, and, and I know that everybody in here that, that walks with Jesus knows there are times that come where Jesus says go and do this. You know, you see someone in need, you go and meet that need. If you choose not to do those things that God tells you to do, for you, it is sin. Don't live in arrogant self-sufficiency. Don't walk on your own. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have no right to walk on your own. You have relinquished that right. You have said, Jesus, you are my all in all. You are my King of kings, my Lord of lords. All I am is in you. All that I am is in you, Jesus. So if you're a Christian today, if you call yourself a Christian, and you have seen anything through this nine weeks of study, and it's in your heart and you know that it's not right and that there's something there that's blocking you from your fellowship with Jesus Christ, you need to lay it down. You need to lay it down before we leave this place. Don't harbor any of it, okay? Trust me, because it just wells up inside of you, and when it comes out, it's horrible. That's where I'm at today. That's why I am where I am. That's why I feel, and I hate feelings, the guys know this, because they lead you astray. There's a reason why I feel the way I do today. It's because there was a lot of built-up stuff that didn't get dealt with, and now it just all flooded out, and now it's being dealt with, and guess what? It hurts. I don't cry a lot, but I've been crying this weekend. I don't admit when I'm wrong a lot, but I've been on my knees all weekend. And God bless each one of you if you don't do the same thing right now. Right now. A Christian can never leave God out of their life. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't even make sense. Now, it doesn't matter if you make tons of money, if you drive fancy cars, live in big houses, if you give to the poor, you adopt 12 kids, if you work at a soup kitchen, if you help the homeless. None of that matters apart from God. You realize that? Your work, your service, if it's apart from Jesus, it's sin. It's useless rags that are going to get burned up. And guess what? That's just the God-honest truth. And I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And if you want to serve Jesus, you got to give everything to Jesus. You have to seek him with everything, and that's where I'm finishing. If you want to live a life free of arrogant boasting, self-sufficiency, self-glorification, you got to do what Jesus says is the first and greatest commandment. Matthew 6:33. This is your action verse for this week. Seek first number 1, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. When Jesus said that, he was talking about the things we need in life. 
food, shelter, clothing. But it applies to everything. Everything, people. Seek first his kingdom. What does that mean to seek first his kingdom? That means that everyone you come in contact with, you want to see them blessed and become a follower of Christ. You want to be that light in the darkness. That's how you want to live. That's what it means to seek first his kingdom. His righteousness is living a life blameless before the God of the universe. Now, are we going to live a life that's blameless? Is it humanly possible on this side of heaven? No. But what are we supposed to be doing? Tom pointed out something to me, and I've heard it many times before, but he made it very eloquent this morning. We, t- we talked about an Olympic archery contest. And many of you have heard this and understand this concept. But in an archery contest, there is a target. Okay? And on that target, there are several rings. And in the very center, what's that called? It's a bullseye. Now, if you don't hit the bullseye, is it perfection? Absolutely not. Can that Olympic archer, the best of the best, hit that bullseye every single time, dead center? Absolutely not. So we're not going to. However, if you miss the target completely, Tom, what's that called? Sin. Sin. So if you skip out on God in the process of decision-making, what did you just do? You missed the whole target. You sinned. That's what it means to seek his righteousness. And then all those things, food, clothing, shelter, everything you need in life, and all the things you need to serve God will be given to you as well. Please bow your heads with me. As I stand here in brokenness, people, hurting like never before, I can say this. Standing up here before you today was exactly what God ordered. It was exactly what he needed me to do to wake up, to get out of my sorrow and recognize that he's sovereign So right now, folks, if there's any of you believers, you're harboring something, whatever it may be, I I implore you to come and lay it down at the foot of the cross. Come to the altar. It's going to be open in just a moment. Come and pray and give God what he is due. You're all in all. For those of you that may not know God, you may not have that relationship with Jesus Christ today. You may never have stepped across that threshold of salvation. It's real simple. God says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be eternally connected to God through his son, Jesus Christ. You have that opportunity right now. So what I would say is, is that as I, after I'm done praying and we start singing, I want, this, I want to see it. I want to see the Spirit move like never before. Do we believe that the Spirit can move like never before? Amen. Do we believe it? Yeah. Let's pray and let's see the Spirit do what He is here to do today. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your love. Thank You for your, just pouring out your, your blessing upon us. God, even in the midst of the worst trials, Lord, you are there. You are in control. You're watching over us. You want to restore and heal us, Father. And we thank you so much for that, Lord Jesus. We just, I just stand in awe of who you are. How in the midst of pain and suffering, you are there. And I will find joy in the midst of this trial. And I will overcome by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so everyone in here, God, I I just beg you right now, let your Holy Spirit bring victory in this place right now, Lord. Come down into the hearts of men and women. Change our lives and make us who you've called us to be. Forgive us, Lord, 
for where we've sinned against you, whether it be sins that we've committed knowing we were doing wrong or those where we've just omitted doing what you said you wanted us to do. Father, we're sorry for that. We want you to be glorified today. We want you to be honored. And we give you praise today, Father. We love you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. The altar is open for anyone who needs to lay anything down at the foot of the cross. miss this chance don't pass it up if you hear the spirit calling and you don't move you are guilty just as each one of us are guilty let it go leave it all at the foot of the cross right now
All right, let's pray one more time. I'm going to have a rate come forward. We're going to have our special call business meeting for the messengers, but let's pray together first. Father, we, we just, we love you right now, Lord. We just pray that you've been glorified right now. God, I pray that anything that, that's still out there, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit just, just move, move in hearts right now, Lord. Don't let anyone leave this place without making it right with you, whatever it is. Father, once again, forgive us all. Forgive each one of us for all the sins that we've been committing, Lord, and the, and the sins where we didn't do what you asked us to do. God, I just pray a special blessing over everyone here. And as we go and share a meal together, Lord, I just pray that you would bless the, the food. And Father, thank you for always providing for us. Thank you for this family that we have, that we can come together and we can worship you in spirit and truth. And that we can hold each other up. We can carry each other's burdens. We can restore where others need restored. God, help us to, to remove the plank from our eyes that we might be able to help us get, help others get the speck out of theirs. Father, we love you and we just, we just glorify you right now. We honor you with our presence and we pray that this has been an aroma sweet to your nostrils, Lord. That you've just, just known how much we love you because we know how much you love us. Father, thank you for pouring that on us. In Jesus' name.